Welcome to another episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast. Today, I am joined with the lovely Stella Collins, who is the founder and CEO of Stellar Labs, which is scientifically uh, a proven methodology that guarantees companies and their teams are ready for the future with the right skills, competencies, and insights. She is a stellar leader in this space and someone that I've been watching for quite some time. In fact, I found out about her because I took one of her LinkedIn learning courses on, <laughs> on neural learning and the benefits of it and how organizations can think about it and, and incorporate it into their work. So I'm really thankful and grateful to have her on today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. And Stella, how are you doing? How's everything going? I'm good. Thank you very much, Tim. I'm settled here into Belgium in lockdown like everybody else, but, you yeah. know, we're all getting used to working from home. <laughs> so, you know, Stella, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how long you've been doing the work that you do and, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? Wow. Okay. So Stella Labs is actually a new startup. So we started Stella Labs back in October and really wow. got going in January this year. But um, and what we do at Stella Labs is we're training the future, a bit like you, really. We're training future yeah. technology, future skills, so that people can really thrive in, in the, the industry for world that is, is coming upon us and that we're kind of thrown into right now even more than perhaps we were initially thought, uh, thought would happen. Um, but I have been in the world of L&D for about 20 years now. I accidentally fell into it from the world of tech. Wow. And absolutely loved it uh, my background's in psychology so I always loved people and I always loved learning I just mm -hmm. didn't think I enjoyed training um, yeah. because... <laughs> <laughs> and that was because I spent a lot of time um, in in the world of tech yeah. on on really ineffective training courses and I mm -hmm. used to it used to frustrate frustrate me like mad um, but then I came upon um, accelerated learning, the neuroscience of learning, understanding the psychology of learning and realizing that you could actually apply a lot of principles from that into training. And once I kind of realized that, then I was I was so happy because you could just really transform people's learning experiences and, and make learning sticky and effective and fun and engaging and all the things it really ought to be and, and return an investment for those organizations that are paying for learning and individuals. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. And I love that you you say this. You know, I want to ask you before we dive deep on some of the things that you learned, Stella, because, you know, you are really one of the key experts in this space of, you know, what, how does accelerated learning drive ROI for business, but more, for, more importantly for the individual. You know, talk to me about when did your passion for learning start? Have you always been incredibly curious? Well, if you were to ask my mum, she would say, oh, my God, yes. I was always asking why as a child. And she eventually just got to sort of saying, because. <laughs> because she didn't always have the answers, but I always had the questions. So I've always been curious. I've always been fascinated by trying to understand I want to say the world around me. I wasn't. I wasn't desperately trying to undo um, engineering or you know undo my toys. But I was always keen to understand why people thought like they did and why they behaved like they did and mm. what made them act like they did. And I was always interested in that. Um, and yeah, and so you know, studying psychology for me was just uh, other people went to university and had to do things they really didn't 
particularly want to do, but I just loved it. It just opened up a whole new world for me of yeah. tools and ideas and possibilities. Yeah, I love that. That's so powerful. You know, for me, similar to you, I study psychology as well uh, ah. in grad, uh, at Texas <laughs> Tech University. And it's that same infatuation with, you know, why did my African parents, because I'm, I'm an immigrant, you know, why were they so infatuated with, you know, acculturating with American culture? Or why were there certain parenting styles so unique um, yeah. versus some of the other kids and, and parents of kids that I knew? And that's actually what led me to studying psychology. You know, so much of learning is rooted in psychology. I would love for you to share a little bit about what are two to three psychological principles that, you know, organizations as well as people need to, to realize when it comes to taking control of their learning or self-education? Wow. There's, well, there's a lot of them, <laughs> but you already mentioned curiosity. And I mm. think that's one that is um, seems to be a real trend at the moment. There's a lot of people talking about curiosity, mm. but I think good learners have always been curious. And I think it's that curiosity that leads people to want to learn. I think one of the key things that organizations, training designers, um, people in delivering training have to try and do is try and harness that curiosity and stimulate curiosity. Because if we don't get people who are curious and, and motivated and interested in learning, it doesn't matter how fantastic the training is. It doesn't matter how well designed, how graphic, how interactive, how whizzy, marvelous it is. If people don't want or can't see the purpose of learning something, it's not really going to stick because they're not going to go with their whole heart and mind and body into exploring it. If people are curious, you could even throw bad training at them and they'll learn from it. Mm. Mm, it's so true. It's so true. It's it's so it's it's funny you say that because I've worked with organizations that are, had horrible training programs, right? Whether it be onboarding <laughs> or even you know trying to figure out you know where can I ac get access to documents that are you know that are stuck in silos with different departments and divisions. You know, with some of the organizations that you've worked with, you know, what have been some of the best practices that you've seen on organizations that do training and learning and development right? Okay. So I think some of the best practices are, and again, it's kind of coming back to this motivation thing, but it's getting buy-in from the people who are going to do the learning. So it's understanding what they want, what's important to them, but also tying that into the organizational need. Because again, if the organization doesn't support it, then it won't get that support. Um, there's a particular client we've worked with. And one of the things that I really valued about what they did was about really thinking about what's the learning culture and what's the culture, not just within, not just the learning culture, but what's the culture within the organization. They've got a very I mean, they're a bank, so you don't expect them to have a very open culture, but they do have a very open culture. Um, they really try and um, make people feel valued. They encourage learning hugely throughout the business and beyond their business. And one of the things they tried to do, so they, they already had a great L&D team, but they recognized that within their business, there were um, experts within the business who at that point were having to support and train other people. And they didn't have the skills of, of training mm. and facilitation. So they, they asked us to come in and to support those people. So they're, they're experts in their field. They're not 
they're not trainers, but they asked us to come in and, and support them in understanding the psychology of learning and understanding what you can practically do to make training better, training and coaching they were doing, um, so that they then had the skills to do that within the business. And then they too then picked up on this kind of learning culture. It's the learner that's important, not the expert or their content that's important mm. but it's about sharing in a way that is accessible to people and so that really spread throughout the organization because l d senior teams and the experts within the business were now all kind of working from the same principles mm. Mm. that's so powerful so really thinking about it from a learner-centric perspective Learner-centric, totally learner-centric, I think it's really important, but within an organization, that mm. also has to be aimed at, you know, is this going to meet the needs of the organization? So I can remember when I first moved into training, there was sometimes sort of um, organizations say, well, we just allow any learning in our business. We just allow people to learn. We sponsor and encourage learning. And they were letting people learn, which is great. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a really nice thought. But actually, it wasn't always valuable because people were spending time learning stuff that wasn't supporting the business. Mm. Whereas if it's something that supports the business, everybody starts to get involved. And then that will, um, it kind of encourages, a. it's almost like a torrent, a torrent yeah. of, of movement and change. Because everybody's working to the same the same goals, and you know, most of us, if we're working for a good or a good decent organisation, actually do want to support the business because it supports our jobs, it supports our families, it supports you know some of our goals and some of the things we want to achieve in life. So we want we want our businesses, the people, the organisations we work for, to thrive. So actually, learning what is valuable for the business is another incentive for us as individual learners. I think, but it's mm -hmm. about tapping into to both those. Mm. Now that's all powerful. And you know, there's been organizations that are like Microsoft and LinkedIn, you know, a platform that you and I are both active on, right? That have completely transformed their organizations by investing in artificial intelligence, education, and really thinking about how do we how do we invest in digital transformation through learning? And, you know, Microsoft has one of the most successful digital transformation stories uh, of, of the of the modern era so far from trying to go from being a legacy company to a digital first company and now really, you know, investing in AI, but they had to go through this massive overall and how they're one perceived in the market, but also how they're training the next year, their next generation of workers on how do we use AI, how are we applying it to the business? And, you know, when I, when I hear you say that, I think about businesses like large enterprises like that, who truly have to like create a movement and a shift in their culture to make that happen. And I think if you create that that culture shift and that kind of, you know, this is just the way we do things, people people learn because they're learning within the environment. So they're not even having to go on training courses. They're already learning because that's just the way we do things around here. It becomes habit. It becomes natural. Um, you asked a bit ago, a few minutes ago, about, you know, some other ideas about what helps to support learning within the organization or helps to support learning. And I think that context the context in which we have our learning is really important so if your learning isn't within the context of your job it's so for example many years ago now when i used to work in it i was sent on an oracle database training course yeah I didn't know why I was going on the Oracle database training course. <laughs> Nobody talked to me about it beforehand. I didn't actually have anything to work on afterwards. Yeah. And so by the time I needed that knowledge, 
it was miles past and I'd f completely forgotten it all. Hmm. If somebody before that had made a, an, um, an environment in which, you know, learning was useful, I understood why I was going to go on that course. I came back from the course. Somebody then said, you know, so what did you learn? How are you going to embed it? And then hmm. supporting me and giving me a role that I could actually use those skills. That would have been really valuable. So I think that context and culture that mm. an organization can create is really, really important for supporting learning within the business. And if that's right, then learning happens really quite naturally. Mm, that's so powerful. And you, and, you know, you're speaking to it in, from a psychological perspective, right? In terms of context is king, even when we have conversations or when we have to prioritize as business leaders. It's like, what is the context of the business? And really, you know, a lot of uh, and now I think we're now living in a remote first world. Context is even more important now for organizations. How are your people learning in their home? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the context has changed for everybody. Um, so that so that we're all adapting a lot mm. at the moment. I mean, it's, it's it's but it but the context is funny. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, wow, it's really different working from home, isn't it? And for a lot of people, that is true. It's it's like a real I, I think for many people, it's refreshing. For some, it's challenging. But I've been working from home for 20 years, so I'm thinking, well, what's changed? In fact, I only just started working in a proper office again, and I'm really missing that kind of new opportunity to work in a proper office. But it's that kind of the context we're in changes the way we hear things, the way we see things, the way we understand what's going on in our world. Mm. Mm. So, you know, for, for you, when you think about how organizations need to be thinking about learning and development in a remote first world, you know, I feel as if we've experienced a context change due to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, with what we're even doing with Guide, a lot of what we're now building is focused on, one, leveraging video as an opportunity learning because it can lead to higher attention, but more importantly, bite-sized learning. Right. So encouraging learning over time um, and to, to improve skills training. You know, what are some actions that, you know, business leaders and organizations can take to still create a learner um, centric culture in a remote first world? So you talked about bite size. And I think I think bite size is a really important um it's a really important idea, but it has to be done well. Mm. Just little bite-sized sessions, bite-sized elements of things that don't connect, that's mm. not really learning. Um, video isn't learning in itself. It's part of the content that you need mm. to learn from. Um, but spacing learning over time, which is often what, not always, but sometimes what people mean when they say bite-sized, spacing learning over time definitely works. I mean, all mm. the evidence for, for years and years and years has said, don't try and cram, do things bit by bit, step by step, build on what you know, uh, go over it again, um, make sure you recall it and you retain it and you apply it and you practice it and you test it and you get feedback and you keep going through that loop. Mm. So I think if we're doing bite size, if we're talking about bite size in terms of spaced repetition, space learning, I think bite size is really powerful. If you're talking about bite sizes, we're just going to give people 10 minutes of learning mm. and that's it. Then it's not 10 minutes of learning. It's 10 minutes of content delivery. Yeah. Which is not effective at all and probably has no context to it. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> and you know, we talked we talked about LinkedIn Learning because I know you met me through that. Um, and and you know, I think LinkedIn Learning are doing a fantastic job of creating some brilliant content. That is not learning. Content is never learning because content mm. learning has to come from you know a desire to want to learn. Then you may need some form of content to learn from. Even if you're learning, you know, sort of skills, you still need to have an example of, or you still need to have an experience of trying to do something. But content alone is not learning. So if you're watching videos, just and, and that's what lots of people have been sent home to do: go home and watch videos. Mm. You'll learn from it. You know, and that's school kids and adults. That's not enough because just watching a video, not knowing why you're watching the video, not having a purpose to watching the video, not being able to do anything with that um, information afterwards means there's no purpose to it. It's just it's just looking at content. It's entertainment. It's not learning. Mm, mm, mm. And learning has to learning has to be something where you you make a change. Yeah, that yeah. could be behavior. It could be attitude. It could be skills. But I think change needs to happen for it to count yeah. as learning. Yeah, and you also need buy-in too from from the person that you're trying to reach, the the learner. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, mm. that's fundamental. Yeah, you know, Stella, you are just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom on this. <laughs> you know, it's really one of the reasons why I had to reach out to you and, and get you on the podcast. To, one for me to learn from you, right? And you know, I because I think a lot of people don't realize there's so many, a lot of organizations don't realize that you know there's so many ways to get buy-in from the workers in the organization on how they can improve their learning. What, for example, for me, you know, I do podcasts, I'm always creating content, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm a very self-initiated learner, right? I can create my own curriculum, even if it may be random, I connect the pieces over, together over time. I think a big part of encouraging this mindset of, um, of intentional uh, and context-based learning requires you to one, empower your workers in a sense. Like, what are they already doing? Are they thinking about building their personal brand? Are they thinking about, you know, like, how are they already trying to craft the content and, and kind of take control of their learnings? But, you know, I've, I've been in organizations that don't really recognize that in employees, you know, that, that they're already highly motivated. And in fact, you know, some of the policies of the organization actually restrict kind of what I like to consider boundless learning. Have you seen that as well? Yeah. I mean, so often... Uh, one one of the classics for me is, and you talked about Microsoft earlier on, is you know, uh, we've got we've got Windows ten, Windows eight, whatever whatever we're up to now. But in the past, organizations would say, ah, we're about to have a big change in terms of the technology we're using. So we're going to put on a change program and everybody's going to go through this change program and we're going to teach them how to use the new system. And it's always kind of mystified me because mm. I used to think, well, at home, people get a new computer, they set it up. They start using it. They don't actually need a big change program to actually learn how to use a new system, unless it's a massive change. And I think that's because what organizations do is they, they focus on the, the technology, for instance, in, in that example. They're focusing on what are the changes in the technology, as opposed to what do you need to do to do your job? What will be exactly the same in this new technology as as you were doing before? What are you just gonna carry on doing exactly the same? And are there some areas where actually it might shift slightly, but let's focus it on you doing your job, not on what this system can do for you. And I think that's where a lot of poor training happens. It's because it's the, it's the wrong viewpoint. They're not looking at it from the person who's trying, you know, we just all want to get on and do our jobs. Most people are given mm. the chance, quite well motivated to do their jobs. And it's when you get, as you were talking about that interference from others, 
or the culture that isn't supporting that that natural desire to do to do well yeah no that's so powerful stella you know one of the virtues with god is we encourage ruthless curiosity ruthless curiosity don't be afraid to ask why and don't be afraid to 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 seek answers through people through relationships uh, i i'm a firm believer that one of the best ways we learn is just through conversation yeah conversation. yeah yeah we learn a lot from other people and in fact i had a conversation with somebody the other day that that idea about um you know, just asking questions and, and mm-hmm. curiosity. It was another conversation about curiosity. Um, that if you ask a question, if you get if you get a really good answer or a really good solution to your question, you will carry on asking more questions. But so often, organisations don't want you to ask that question because they don't necessarily want you to know the answer, or they don't necessarily want you to go down that route because that question might be a challenge to the accepted the norms of the organization or the rules of the organization and you know questions can be challenging disruptive all those things that might unsettle Mm. the norm yeah of that organization yeah and a lot of a lot of organizations are are scared when their people start questioning you know i want to dive deep on on something with you here because you know i I, i'm i would love to hear your perspective on this and i'm sure our community our guide community is uh, as well would love to as well you know what does the future of learning look like in, you know, from, from stellar, from a stellar labs perspective or from your perspective, Stella, where do you think learning is going um, in a, I think in a decentralized future? So I think that's such an enormous question. <laughs> and and I might've given you a different one post uh, pre COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is clearly going far more, online far more digital certainly at the moment and everybody's kind of grabbing that and i think in a way that's been a fantastic thing about um corona is that it's Mm. encouraged people who wouldn't have gone digital to sort of say oh well i'm gonna have to try it so i think that's been a good thing um i think where it's going i think where it ought to go is giving people more autonomy giving Mm. them self-control as to what they choose but also giving them a sort of a so for L&D to give them guidance as to where to go. So it's all very well saying, okay, just go and learn for yourself. And you Google something and you don't know whether, you know, it's it's good news or bad news. You don't know whether it's fake news or true Filters. news. Yeah. yeah. So I think that ability for L&D and for the L&D community to help guide, to help curate, to help facilitate learning. I love that, to help guide. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I think for me, one of the things that I think is so important, especially if we're trying to get people to be more self-directed and to, to take autonomy for themselves, is actually teaching the skills of learning. Because most people don't actually know how they learn. They can do it because they've done it automatically for years and years, but they don't actually have a lot of the sort of techniques or the sort of the the brain hacks or the sort of the shortcuts that would actually help and support them. They think that, you know, reading a book gives you learning or watching a video gives you learning, but they don't know about the extra work you have to do. The associations, the cognitive associations that you have to make, what do you have to feel to make it feel meaningful? How do you recall things of that nature, right? Yeah. So a lot of people don't recognize that recall is so much more important than recognition. You know, it's dead easy to recognize something, but actually if you can't recall it at the moment when you need it, then it's it's a still of no value to you. So I think for me that, you know, helping people understand how they learn and giving them those skills of learning, it'll kind of open up 
everything else. So that's that's one of my real areas of um, interest and passion. And we're working on it at Stellar Labs. We're working on a program mm. that we're, we're we're toying with names at the moment, actually. So we're we're trying to decide what we call it, but it's about helping people be more conscious about their learning. It's as if um, you know you can drive a car. And you can drive it perfectly happily. Yeah. But if you're an engineer who understands who an en how an engine works, you yeah. can actually tweak that car and make it a real performing car. And I think it's yeah. the same kind of analogy, really. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent You know, and I, and I agree. Similar to you, I believe my perspective, and you know, even with God, our vision for the the future of of, of work and the future of, of learning is the fact that you know people are going to be more intrinsically motivated to learn from the people who are thought leaders and industry leaders in their space, and more importantly, also participate in their learning. By participate. Creating, right? And I think oh, a, lot, yes. a lot of organizations forget about that, the importance of, of getting buy-in through creation, right? Because exactly. as you mentioned, the feedback loop of learning is you, you create, you test, you receive feedback, and then you apply. And then yeah. that's that feedback loop that really allows you to build competency. And I think if we can get people creating learning at the level that is appropriate for them, we can get around a lot of that sort of, you know, the curse of the expert. The expert comes in and they know everything. So they just tell you everything and they have that, you know, provide lots and lots of lovely cognitive overload that you're not ready for. You don't yeah. understand. And it sounds great, but what are you going to do with it? So I think if we get learners co-creating and creating learning that is relevant for them at the time of need i think that is a really powerful area yeah a hundred percent stella thank you so much it was truly a joy having you on the unleashing the future of work a guide podcast stella i would love you know as we um cap things off you know shit how does stella learn what's your learning regimen that allows you to be a sharp and effective learner I'm probably quite an old-fashioned learner in many ways. I absolutely love to read, yeah. And I, but I mostly just ask questions. So I read something, and then I ask lots and lots of questions, and then I have to go and do. So mm. I always have to do something to make it feel like I've actually engaged with it. And mm. until I actually get my hands hands dirty, then it's, it's not learning for me. It's only when I've done it that I feel it. I've learned it. Yes, yes, yes. Go, Stella. I love that. Thank you so much, Stella, for being on this episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Where can our amazing guide community connect with your work, Stella? Thank you for having me. Um, they can go to um, www.stellarlabs.eu. And we've got, we too have a podcast and we've got blogs coming up and we're going to have a lot more blogs coming up in the future. Very much yeah. how to. Uh, they can also connect with me on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, so at Stella Collins, um, or they can send me an email. I love it. I love it. Definitely send Stella an email or reach out to her on LinkedIn as well, where she's also yeah, yeah, LinkedIn too. Yes. <laughs> and you have listened to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast with a phenomenal Stella Collins, who is the co-founder and chief learning officer of Stellar labs make sure you check out our work and please if you're interested in being on a future episode of unleashing the future of work a guy podcast check out our website utfow.com and if you have any ideas on a guest i should have on in the future reach out to me on linkedin and i will consider your suggestion with that said peace love and i will talk to you soon bye y'all bye <laughs>